Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. Labs across the Commonwealth, Jalen Hurts inked a record-setting contract. And you know how they say, like, Joe DiMaggio's hit streak is a record that'll never be touched. Asked and answered episodes that start with a quarterback question is a record that'll never be touched. One record that always gets touched is contracts in the NFL. Next man up seems to always break the record. Yeah, um, you know, it is, it's, it's, you know, you always hear about sometimes athletes who, you know, are blessed either with uh, career advancements or in this instance, financial windfalls, always thank, you know, the people who came before them, you know, they say standing on their shoulders. Um, and that certainly is the case uh, with NFL contracts. I mean, you, you're, you're the highest paid guide for, you're the highest paid guy for 15 minutes in a lot of cases. <laughs> right. I mean, remember when, I know I was one of the people who thought that the Patrick Mahomes deal was groundbreaking and oh my God, you know, and now I don't even know if he's in the top 10 anymore. So, you know, stuff happens fast and, uh, you know, the cap keeps going up and that's the, you know, the, the thing about the salary cap, it's, um, you know, the, the pie keeps getting bigger and so you can, you know, cut bigger pieces for the players, but I mean, this Jalen Hurts deal, it's, you know, you know, it's not my money, so it's easy to say, um, you know, the Eagles are uh, doing the right thing by paying them all this money, but it seems to me that this thing got done quietly and quickly and painlessly in terms of, uh, again, it's not my money, so it didn't hurt me a bit, in terms of you know, no holding out right. or, you know, no uh, ugly rhetoric in the media. Uh, you know, people weren't, one side wasn't dragging the other through the mud, calling them names and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's certainly, you know, compared to the uh, Lamar Jackson thing, it, it was seamless. And, um, you know, it's a lot of money. But, uh, you know, when you look at some of the cap numbers that, you um, you know, Hertz is going to eat up. It's, you know, it's it's not that bad. No. Um, again, uh, I hate to say, you know, a, a, a one player, a quarterback, you know, occupying, you know, over thirty million dollars, you know, of a team salary cap uh, is is not that bad. But um, you know, that's kind of the way the, the the path we're going on now. 
Well, Hertz can enjoy his time in the sun for now, but once that dude in Cincinnati needs to get paid, I have a feeling that he might be the new record setter when it comes to quarterback contracts. Yeah, and you know, one of the things about these uh, guaranteed contracts in the NFL that uh, one of the reasons I believe that the owners, you know, are resistant to these is that when you when you put a lot of future guaranteed money into a player's contract you have to put that money in escrow okay so you may not have to say you get you know pay a guy let's just say Jalen Hurts even though this isn't the case I'm just using him as an example five-year contract let's say in the fifth year of this contract the Eagles were going to guarantee him 50 million and again this isn't true. I'm just using these as examples, these numbers. Um, that have to put $50 million in an escrow account. So, you know, if you're Mike Brown, as an example, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not a billionaire personally. Where do you come up with, with that money? Right. You know, because a lot of times uh, these, I won't say they're living, owners are living paycheck to paycheck because that's stupid. Even <laughs> coming out of my mouth, it sounds stupid. But you, um, you know, the 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 payments for a lot of the, um, like the broadcast rights and you know your your cut the team's cuts of different things. You know the gambling revenue now and you know the new Amazon Thursday night package. A lot of these things, you know those. That that money is is consistent, but it comes every year. It's not like you have it all at once, where you can like just dip in and you know write a fifty million dollar check and put it in escrow, um, and not touch it for four years. So, you know it it it's it's a it's a difficult thing. It's a juggling act, and it seems that the Eagles were able to satisfy uh, a lot of this with. Lo front-loading a lot of the guaranteed money, which means not a lot of it has to go into escrow, and Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, isn't going to be you know, financially strapped with uh, huge escrow payments four or five years down the road. So it seems to be something that uh, works for both sides, and who knows, maybe it turns out in some ways to be a, something of a model for future negotiations going forward. And uh, Lamar Jackson... Um, all I can say to him is first thing I would tell him is hire an agent. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Because, um, uh, Nicole, uh, Lynn, Jalen Hurts' agent, I think is, uh, really sig a significant part of this, getting this done and kudos to her again for getting it done quietly and quickly. But, you know, without an agent, without her or someone like her, uh, that I just don't see how you, you get this deal done. Well, our first question today comes from Daniel Mazanko from Lidditz, Pennsylvania, and he asks about a guy who made a pretty handsome penny in his playing day as well. He wants to know if Ben Roethlisberger is the player with the longest time as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Yes, and in, in, in different categories, which I will list here now, um, Ben Roethlisberger holds the Steelers' all-time franchise records for most seasons played. That's 18. For most games played. That's 249, and for most games started with 247. Burton Harris from Greensburg, Pennsylvania. Have the Steelers ever selected two offensive linemen with their first two draft picks? 
<laughs> this seems to be kind of like a little bit of an intro to maybe the next couple of podcasts we do because I think that, <laughs> you know, offensive linemen certainly are on the radar, not only for the Steelers, but certainly for a lot of Steelers fans and for media, you know, covering the team. So, um, you know, offensive line questions, offensive lineman questions and how they pertain to the draft, I'm sure uh, are going to be somewhat regular here now in the immediate future. Um, but, you know, again, with these draft questions, uh, I'd like to narrow it down to, you know, something close to the modern era because I'm not going to go back and look at 1947 or something and see that they drafted, you know, two guys listed as uh, tackles or guards or, or whatever. So um, since Chuck Noll was hired in 1969, um, the Steelers have only done that only once, and that is using their first two picks in a particular draft on offensive linemen. Uh, that happened in 2012. They spent the 24th overall pick on a guy I think is a familiar name, uh, David Castro, a guard from Stanford. And then in the second round, the 56th overall pick, Ohio State tackle Mike Adams. Now what's interesting somewhat uh, is, is that in this draft, the Steelers came out of it with two starters on the offensive line from their picks, but it wasn't their first two picks. Uh, the Steelers completed that, their picking in that draft uh, with SMU tackle Kelvin Beecham, who was the a seventh-round pick, the 248th overall selection. Now, DeCastro started 124 games over nine seasons, was voted first-team All-Pro twice. Uh, but it was Beecham and not Adams who became the other offensive line starter from the draft class. Beecham, you know, seventh-round pick. Uh, maybe they took a flyer on him in some ways. He's still in the league. He's going to be 34 in June. He's played for four teams in 11 seasons. He's currently with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, for the Steelers, Beecham started 39 games. He was with the team for four years before leaving uh, via free agency. Uh, Adams appeared in 41 games over his three years with the Steelers. That's appeared in, not started. And he's been out of football since the end of 2016. What, just another perfect example in a long line of them that you just can't really predict the draft, huh? I mean, your number 248th overall pick is the one who serves 11 seasons and counting in the NFL, and your 54th overall pick is out of the league in three years. Yes, right. You, you never know where you're going to get a player, and you're never, you never really know who's going to end up being a bust. Eric Shear from Downingtown, Pennsylvania. I recently read an interesting article about Casey Hampton, a great player on a great team who doesn't get the recognition he deserves. Can you reflect on Hampton's career and what he meant to the team on the field and in the locker room? Um, you know, Casey Hampton, if he is in fact uh, underrated and overlooked when it comes to those Steelers teams of the 2000s, you know, it's primarily because he was a nose tackle and used as a two-down player. I mean, you know, Hampton was classic old-school nose tackle, uh, He was, the, which means he was the linchpin of a stingy run defense, uh, but he didn't contribute to the pass rush. You know, in his 
189 career regular season and playoff games over 12 seasons with the Steelers. He only had 10 total sacks. So, and then, you know, the other thing, not only was he not very productive statistically, he often came out of the game on third downs. So, uh, but also, uh, I think on the flip side of the argument, uh, Casey Hampton was voted to five Pro Bowls in his 12 seasons. So, you know, he wasn't unappreciated or overlooked when it came to players around the league because those guys that are, were the primary voters uh, for the Pro Bowl. And the other part about Casey Hampton where he was definitely not overlooked in terms of, you know, how the Steelers viewed him is, you know, his role, uh, his standing in the This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps, in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com, or download the app today. Special pecking order in the locker room. I mean, everybody loved Casey Hampton and respected him. And, you know, when you use the word everybody uh, with with respect to Hampton, sometimes that extended to powerful people in powerful places. Um, you know, Casey Hampton attended the University of Texas at the same time that George W. Bush was the governor of the state. And when Casey Hampton, you know, first came to the Steelers, he would always tell his teammates that he and uh, Bush used to work out together in the university's weight room, you know, and he said that talk and, you know, commiserate and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, Bush won the, the, um, the presidency. Um, and, you know, of course you, you've been in locker rooms. I mean, you, you can't even imagine some of the grief Casey Hampton took from his teammates saying that he knew the, the president of the United States. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. But, you know, I was there, uh, in the White House, in the East Room, um, it was 2006 was the calendar year the Steelers had won Super Bowl 40, And so you visit the White House, and for that particular visit, George Bush was still the president of the United States, and the way that it was organized for that visit, uh, everyone, all of the quote-unquote visitors were uh, in the, brought into the East Room, and you sat in chairs, and then up on risers, kind of on the stage, you know, in the middle was the podium with the presidential seal on it. That was where the president was going to speak. And then uh, the Marines, uh, and this, was, this, this amused me personally. 
uh, you know, the Marines, the, the sergeant or whatever he was who was running the thing, you know, he's just ordering people around. I mean, there was no, uh, you stand here, you stand here. I mean, it wasn't any, there was no discussion. He wasn't uh, leaving any, um, you know, for example, and, and I don't mean this as any respect, disrespect to Bill Cower, but Bill Cower was told where to stand. It wasn't, excuse me, could you move? You know, it wasn't like that. Nobody got that kind of, you know, you're in the White House now. Um, you're not that big a deal, whoever you think you are. So anyway, they're all lined up, all the Steelers, uh, the Steelers party, the uh, players, coaches, Dan Rooney, you know. So George Bush walks into the room. You know, and there's no applauding or anything. Again, this is the president of the United States. You're in the White House. And Bush walks in, and he's walking across the risers. You know, he just kind of glances at the the assembled players, and he says loud enough for everybody to hear, Hey, Hamp, how you doing? <laughs> or something like that. Hey, Hamp, what's up? Whatever it was. Um, and so I think after that, Casey Hampton's teammates uh, never ever doubted him again when he said he knew the president of the United States. Uh, what a moment of I told you so for Casey Hampton right there. Right. <laughs> it, it couldn't have been on a better stage either. Right, right. Br- Bruce, exactly. Bruce Hackley from High Point, North Carolina asks, do you ever tire of the, quote, Mike Tomlin won with Bill Cowher's players, quote, narrative? Who did Cowher win with, seeing as Chuck Knowles last season ended with a 7-9 and nine record? Yeah, um, Chuck Knowles last season – was did uh, was did end with a losing record. Um, his last two seasons with the Steelers, nineteen ninety and nineteen ninety one, uh, were non playoff seasons. But um, it, well, I don't think it was because it was a bad roster. Um, you know, uh, this is among the group that Bill Cowher inherited from Chuck Knoll. Two future Hall of Famers, Rod Woodson and Dermonte Dawson. 12 Pro Bowl players, Woodson, Dawson, Tunchilkin, Carlton Hasselrig, Eric Green, Neil O'Donnell, Barry Foster, Greg Lloyd, David Little, Hardy Nickerson, Carnell Lake, and Gary Anderson. And then among that group, there were also seven players who would end up being voted Steelers MVP. Those would be Woodson, Lloyd, Foster, David Little, Neil O'Donnell, Gary Anderson, and Brian Hinkle. So, you know, the cupboard was not exactly bare when uh, Bill Cowher took over either. If they were real coaches, Coach Cowher and Coach Tomlin would have cut all of those amazing players when they came in (laughs) and built it from the ground up themselves. Those are how real coaches win labs. And not only did Mike Tomlin um, win with Bill Cowher's players, that, that, (laughs) that narrative, but, you know, one of the other things that I will always point up that Mike Tomlin does not get enough credit for, he kept Dick LeBeau and the defensive staff intact. And I can tell you that other finalists for that job were going to fire LeBeau. So, you know, you can, um, you know, the whole winning with somebody else's leftovers um, you know, you can look at it that way, or you can look at it and say that Tomlin was smart enough to realize he had a very good thing going, and why just change it uh, to satisfy his own ego? 
Nah, it couldn't be that. He just sat on the sideline with a cup of coffee the whole time and cheered him on. <laughs> Wayne Phillips from Spring Hill, Florida. This is a question about draft day trades. So, a call comes in about a trade, and the owner and coach and the GM have a very short time to decide about trading possibly a star player. How much time is given, or has the team given any thought to scenarios ahead of time? <clears throat> okay. What needs to be understood is the Steelers will have discussed and debated a lot of these scenarios, and they'll de these debates will happen days, even weeks before the draft begins. Um, and, you know, they go through um, hypotheticals that maybe more than we could even concoct, you know, at, at this time. You know, who might the, uh, they be willing to trade? Who's an untouchable? What would the Steelers expect in compensation from a proposed trade? Would they even consider a certain kind of trade up or down in a particular round? Uh, then, uh, once these are discussed, then members of the personnel department, again, this is all happening before the draft, they will touch base with other teams around the league to gauge interest, you know, um, who might be willing to trade once the picking begins, maybe even which players those teams might have interested in picking in the event a trade is consummated. So this is not, you know, this is not something that happens kind of in the way I believe Wayne is describing the scenario. I mean, it's not a situation where, you know, uh, the, the picking starts at 8 o'clock, I believe, on Thursday night. Right. You know, Omar Khan or um, Mike Tomlin or, you know, depending upon whether the person making the call has a better relationship with the coach or the GM of the particular team, you know, they're not getting a phone call at uh, 5 to 8 saying, for the first time, uh, you want to trade your number one pick. I mean, that it just doesn't work that way. Uh, a lot of this stuff is, you know, you put out feelers, teams put out feelers uh, both ways in terms of uh, who might be interested in a trade in trading and who might be interested in being the other end of a potential trade. So, you know, then it gets comes down to the, you know, the rug cutting time, so to speak, when you're on the clock and you, you either, you know, it's either a yay or nay at that point. But I mean, it's not something where you just start talking about it. Uh, when Roger Goodell says uh, the Steelers are on the clock, it doesn't work that way. Larry Hall from Austin, Texas asks, asking your opinion versus what the team will do here. If it were your decision and given the state of the team, if you're trying to build a contender, would you trade down five to six spots in the first round if the return was an extra second round pick and another pick in the fourth or fifth round? You know, this, again, going back to kind of the, the previous question and answer, that's not something that I, I think you can definitively answer this far in advance. I mean, you've got to know the specifics. Um, because who, okay, let's just pretend, Larry, that this is the uh, 17th overall pick, okay? It, and it comes time that there, there's a team that wants to trade up into that pick. Um, and if it's only five or six spots down, again, that's all of this stuff is kind of um, iffy there's, because you need specifics when you're going to actually pull the trigger on something like that, this. So, you know, who's the team? 
where's the extra second round pick? Is it high in the in the round? Is it low in the round? Another pick in the fourth or the fifth round? Well, which is it? Where in the round is it? Uh, all of these things need to be known. And then the other thing that would be a, a prime consideration is, okay, at the, at the 17th pick comes up, who's there? Is it somebody that the Steelers have in the top five of their draft board? What position does he play? Right. Um, you know, so maybe the decision is made that no, that's not worth, you know, we might be getting a foundational piece at a position of need that we think can be a, you know, um, a Marquise Pouncey kind of guy, you know, a, an a, a offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, a Cam Hayward kind of player who's going to be a significant multiple time first team all pro for a decade. You know, is that worth an extra second round pick and another pick in the fourth or fifth round? I don't know. My personal opinion is it's not, you know, bird in the hand. But again, all of these things will be considered and it can't be really considered until you're, you're right there in the moment. And so you can, you know, uh, attach names to a lot of these, you know, hypothetical questions that I've been raising. And our final question today comes from Brad Loveless from Angier, North Carolina, and he wants to know, why do outside receivers sometimes point to the sideline before the snap? Okay, in those instances, you know, there's always an, an official on either end of the line of scrimmage, one on each sideline, right at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think it's either head linesman and the down line, down judge, or whatever they're called. I don't know what they're called anymore. They changed those names too. But a receiver will be asking that particular official uh, if he's lined up correctly. You know, if he's supposed to be on the line of scrimmage, he might ask the official, am I good here? You know, uh, because if you're supposed to be on the line of scrimmage and you're, you know, more than a half step off, you could be judged to be in the backfield and that could be an illegal formation. Or, you know, if you're supposed to be lined up off the line of scrimmage, you want to make sure that you're far enough off the line of scrimmage that you wouldn't be judged by that official to be on the line of scrimmage because that's also an illegal formation. So they're just, uh, you know, a lot of times in the NFL, there will be communication between on-field officials and players either before, well, mostly before play, sometimes after, where there's discussion about, you know, is, is this legal? Uh, am I okay doing this? Can I put my hands here? And the good officials will uh, communicate with the players on the field because, you know, it's not a gotcha kind of situation. <laughs> Could you imagine if I it mean, was? The idea, if they, like, pointed at yeah. him and the ref, like, shrugged his shoulders, like, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, the the goal is... To, to have a clean game, I think that's everyone's interest. And so, you know, that's what's happening when you see that, uh, a, point to an, a point to the sideline in those situations. Well, that'll do it for this edition of Asked and Answered. Always appreciate you sending in your questions. Get questions into labs now. Maybe you'll hear them on a future episode. The draft is next week, Steeler Nation, so exciting times in the NFL community. For Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Offerman, and we'll be back again next week with Asked and Answered.
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.